Let's get ready to nibble and chew upon this remarkable banquet because this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. stories written and performed exclusively for the show and then dispersed with resplendently remarkable music. So sit back and kick off your shoes and allow your soul to be infused by our unique and innovative storytelling because this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Penelope, on her first day at the races, wagered $100, relying on luck. She reveled in the excitement of each heat, and though they had all placed, no horse of hers had come in first. Still, she counted it a brilliant day. Dazed, she made her way to the arena's turnstiled exits. A grizzled trainer asked her how she had fared. Embarrassed, she relinquished the ticket she had saved for a souvenir. As he compared her ticket to the final scorecard, the horseman laughed and directed her to the cash clerk's counter. She had doubled her money. Such a thing, after all, had not happened in living memory, nor even in the few records that still remained. She was a genetic throwback, a chance in millions, a freak of nature, one might say. But to her parents, she would never be a freak, and they would call her one of the old names. She would be called Charlotte, and they would love her as they would love any child, of course they would, despite her pure white skin and her beautiful blue eyes.
I briefly commuted daily into London, sometimes rubbing shoulders with minor celebrities, like David Soule, the taller half of Starsky and Hutch. We were trapped, sardine-like, rubbing shoulder to elbow. We didn't talk. I sat opposite Paul Ross, brother of the more famous Jonathan, his ear to a phone, my nose in a book. We didn't talk either. There was a buffet car rendezvous with actor Michael Robbins, slurping lager, studying a script, while I concentrated on my crossword. We didn't talk. So many brief encounters, but did we speak? No, we didn't. I sometimes wish I wasn't quite so British. David turned in his bed, the nightmare still in his waking mind. In his dream, unbridled greed in his home country was accepted and even admired. Billionaires lived their lives of luxury, whilst beggars roamed homeless through the city streets. Government lies and corruption were manifest and went unchecked and unchallenged. Arts and crafts were valued only by how much money someone was prepared to pay, and his country had become a soulless, unprincipled and immoral place. David closed his eyes more tightly at the thought of it, and then at the realisation that he had not yet been asleep. move slowly, carefully forward. I cannot smell my prey, but I know I am in range. Another few movements and I am in position. Another of my clan accompanies me, but I will make the kill. They call me Singa for my ability to move silently and undetected through the rich, lush grasslands where I hunt. My target is in sight, but completely unaware of me cannot see, hear or smell me and will not until I make my move. Now I am close enough to ensure a kill. I settle myself and fire. I am a sniper. Life is like a packet of crisps. It looks all bright and shiny from the outside, but you have to get into it to discover its true nature. And if you're not careful when you open it, your young years spill out all over the table of existence. And do we savour each crisp and appreciate its shape, texture and colour? We do not. But rather... We cram as many moments, days, years into our mouths as we can, until only the crumbs are left. We then throw the empty packet 
into the waste bin of eternity and close the lid. I was my daddy's girl. I trotted alongside him, clutching his protective hand on our first cinema trip, my pockets bulging with yogurt-covered raisins. Anything that wouldn't make my new winter coat a mess was what Mummy had instructed. The cinema was dark and silent. Enter Babe, an adorable piglet with a peach-fuzzed snout. I was in love, and thus adorned my bedroom with all manner of pink pig paraphernalia that then filled the shops. Understandably, I developed an aversion to bacon, pies and sausages, and now fight for the welfare of these noble creatures, my babes. I'm not sure how long I have been a ghost, but it's been a long time. I can't remember who I was before I died. I think I was a good wife to a tall, happy man. Yes, you heard me right. He may have been a sailor or a plumber. I had three children and I remember them at my funeral. They wept and wailed until they found money under my mattress. <laughs> then they smiled. I tried to haunt them, but my heart wasn't in it. Then, a hundred moons ago, I fell in love with Malcolm, an apparition, a spectre, a kindred spirit. <sighs> You're listening to Cone Radio, 106.6 FM, and this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. I totally think outside the box, moving forward literally, even when Mercury is retrograde. I can eat bread, drink milk, and I don't mind people smoking in my house. I sometimes go out all day without my phone, moisturizer or wet wipes. I enjoy anticipating the next episode of a series all week. I read physical books, occasionally pausing to look up a word in my terrestrial dictionary. I can express myself in handwriting without emojis. I'm happy to discuss my ethnic background and I don't mind which pronouns you refer to me by. I'm a 21st century superhero. 
What a marvel those tiny baby hands, so perfect. The joy when they grasp. As they grow bigger, their dexterity at catching, carefully drawing and making things, and the safety of reaching up and holding on. The first shy tentative handhold of young love. Hands sweating and bitten nails awaiting exam results. Hands for work and play becoming stronger, nourished with creams, nail polish added. The tenderness of hands, stroking and soothing others. But they change and are no longer perfect. Fingers bend, skin blemishes, strength decreases. But to be stroked and held by another hand is still a joy. The city lights of Sudirman took her breath away, but all she thought about was her mother in the living room waiting for her to come home. She looked at his hand on the steering wheel, red and trembling. The hand reached for hers, and after a while, everything felt right. She laughed at the fond memories of them together. The idea of losing him scared her a lot. He stopped the car. You know that I love you, and I never mean to hurt you, right? He said. I know, she answered, while wiping blood off her busted lip. After two years' absence, a return to the place I'm from, a repurposed land of the familiar yet alien. I roam in Google Map. Streets are empty but for cars, hedges, off-road parking. Wait, I see someone. An aged person at a crossing. Is aged appropriate? Everyone else moves too fast to be caught. Then the Raj. The Great Wall, Bosphorus Fish and Chips, Nisa, Happy Shopper, Midweek Deals, Three for One, Regulated, Packs, Kits, Packets, with words that describe the food, Tasty, Fresh, Nutritional, Approved, Handy, Award Winning, Confectionery, Coffee to Go, Concepts, Crisis, Care Squad, Concern, Crispy, Organically Farmed, Carefully Prepared, Wage Slaves, Crafted, Yet Manufactured, Copied, Yet Original, Bollocks. made friends at the movies. I thought of you as a teacher. I was never your student, yet I learned from you. When I needed a bed in London, your spare room was always free. I came to know your home, your routine, almost as well as an uncle's. 
I knew to take off my trainers at the door, looked forward to breakfasts of bread and cheese, browsed your groaning bookshelves, and sat up late to talk. Now shoes tread on the carpet. The fridge is empty. The books are at Oxfam. And there will be no more conversations. The absolute best thing about being a pop star in the 1970s was the trousers, thought Dave. So bright and colourful when everything seemed to be dreary and brown, and with flared legs, ample and luxuriant. Dave hoped, with more trousers, he could be bigger than Zeppelin or the Floyd. Dave didn't grasp his wealth, he left that to his management. And with Dave's illiteracy, they were stealing far more of his earnings than he knew. But with just a few more lessons, he could be writing his band's name. Though Shawadiwadi was such a tough one to remember. I first saw him during the resumption of that dreadful post-Christmas commute. Nicholas Smith in the flesh. He had the same uncontrollable hair, the type mothers of old would slick down with magical spit. I tentatively took a step towards him, and then embarrassment prevailed. I blushed as I recalled an innocent childhood encounter. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. I'd shied away then, too. The second time I saw him, there was awkward eye contact, and by the third, a mumbled hello. If we continued at this speed, we might actually sit together by 2025. This is the tale, the fateful tale of Jack Young and his bride. They chartered a plane for their honeymoon, but the pilot promptly died. The plane spun wildly to the sea, naught left but a broken wing. To this Jack Young, his sodden bride, and the poor dead pilot cling. For forty days they floated there. Surely they could never survive. But a passing cruise ship picked them up, and the pair were still alive. Jack Young would eat no lung, his wife would eat no spleen. And so between them both, you see, they picked the carcass clean.
Frederic buys a barber jacket, ten green ceramic platters for cheese, and Chanel perfume. From artisan bakers, Petra chooses almond croissants, a sourdough loaf. Frederic suggests avocado, delicious with sourdough. Petra says she'll make eggs on toast for tomorrow's breakfast. Frederic suggests Buck's Fizz. Petra says they've coffee. Lisa discovers a lamp, heart-shaped bulbs, tiny lemon sorbet candles, orange-striped socks for her daughters. Angela purchases postcards. Claire finds a flamingo vase for her Southworld house. She pops silver earrings for Petra in her bag. Frederic gets gin, Angela lemons, Lisa glasses. Petra offers to cook supper in Claire's house. That was it. I had drunk the last of the water. Within three to four days in this hot weather, I'll be dead from dehydration. They say it's not an uncomfortable way to go once the terrible thirst subsides. For those who are ill and choose to die, terminal dehydration is peaceful and involves little suffering. My kidneys will stop being able to remove excess fluids and waste from my blood. I may feel dizziness and loss of appetite. Eventually, I'll slip into a coma before passing away. Hang on, though. I hear the sound of the water delivery man's truck approaching. Lucinda married Wayne and promptly produced Percival and Waynetta. Tracy married Jeremy and promptly produced Darren and Fiona. Both marriages made in haste rather than heaven, it seems. Divine intervention came with the double booking of a Spanish villa. By day two, Lucinda and Jeremy were off exploring relics while Wayne and Tracy lazed bullseye keeping half an eye between them on the kids. Some minor luggage juggling found Lucinda, Jeremy, Percival and Fiona returning to a chocolate box cottage in Holstead, while Tracy, Wayne, Waynetta and Darren headed for Tilbury, both sets eagerly awaiting their first annual reunion in Spain. Editor Dave Smith was an old-fashioned type of journalist. Boorish, 
pushy, a heavy drinker, cynical in the extreme. As a young intern on the local paper, I was eager but very rough around the edges. I even got the paper into trouble by innocently accusing a Met police officer of kicking someone in a football match. Editor Dave was apoplectic. He'd just come back from the police club, where the scotch flowed like water, where he spent most of his working hours keeping his ear to the ground. "'What's this?' he slurred. "'But I thought, you're not paid to think.' It's what the people deserve. It's what you voted for. From the beginning of next year, the end of March will be replaced by the start of October. Even if this means that all Tuesdays will be somewhat longer in the second half of each successive full month. Consecutive Magic Mondays will now come with the freedoms they, and we, deserve. And full sovereignty of our own clocks will be restored with the adoption of 90 minutes in each hour. Read my lips. We've never had it so good. Yes, we can. Time for change. No surrender. Vive la revolution. You are listening to Bill's Big Bag of Only Onions. Over 23 years, she'd kept them all in a decorated box, their cherished envelopes ribbon-bound. From the mid-teen, shy, jokey ones, through the wistful yearning of separated university years, to the ardent declarations of the grown-up lover. Every word carefully weighed, testimony to an enduring passion. Now married for eight years and blessed with three healthy children, he was still, and would always be, her grand amour. Occasionally she undid the ribbon and read them, experiencing an exquisite pang as she reflected. Would things have been different if she'd sent them. It's a well-known, possibly fake, fact that if the empty space between and within our atoms were removed, the entire human race would fit into a space the size of a sugar cube. So, to an electron, is the distance to the next nearest atom like that from Earth to Alpha Centauri? 
Is our universe simply a microcosm of something much more vast? A god, perhaps, or a dog? Who knows? And are there billions of super-universes existing in their own concept of time and space? And are they just the microcosmic elements to something even greater ad infinitum? glimpse of sandaled toe was the spark that drove him to murder. That's how it's told in one scene in the film Rashomon. And now, hurtling westwards on the subway, was another exquisite collection of toes held together by well-crafted leather straps. But he knew there was no murder in this glimpse. At dusk, as he traversed the narrow rooftop to the neighbouring apartment, he remembered another scene the toe-disturbed bandit staring at the lively cumulonimbus of the forest sky. Something was afoot. The feeling tightened his grip on the balcony rail as she slipped silently into his fecund mind. Sainsbury's had just opened. I was warned about the size of the car park and to remember where I park. I noted number five on the lane and continued to the store and shopping. When I came out, the car park was completely full, but confidently I made my way to lane five. I walked up and down searching, but no car. Convinced my car was stolen, I headed back to the store glancing along the lanes as I went. Each lane was marked five miles per hour. It was another half an hour before me and my trolley found my car. my best friend of 45 years, rang on the morning of my 60th birthday. Hi, honey, happy birthday. She instinctively detected my subdued mood. Hey, cheer up. You've flowered over the years. You look amazing. Know which clothes suit you. Let's face it, short skirts never went with your leg shape and those floaty trousers match your personality. And you're much more fun to be around with your many anecdotes of failed relationships. Our friendship was cut short when Sylvie lost control of her favourite sports car. I've lamented the loss well into my 80s. Mm -hmm. 
so that was that for me and the UK, or so it turned out. Destination Jogjakarta. Touchdown Jakarta first, a cloying bustle, damp clove-scented ore through a taxi's shimmering window. Desperate, ragged dwellings in the shadow of hazy plate-glass towers, the teeming anonymous throng oblivious to my weary, reeling gaze. Then into the station, catching that train. Twelve rattling hours of startling naps, carefree conversations, unassuming English-speaking strangers, gazing at a rolling panorama, volcanoes verdant, rice fields baking, flitting past gone-forever villages and uncountable level crossings, before finally disembarking for Jogjakarta's Gamelan sundown welcome. And so the new chapter began. when smoking was acceptable, some parents, while waiting to collect their children from our infant school, would have a cigarette in the entrance lobby, thus causing smoke to drift around the school. They would also leave cigarette butts on the floor, so a no-smoking sign was put up. We often had visits from former pupils who had moved on to the junior school. Why have you put that notice up? asked Samantha quizzically. To stop smoking and smoke in the school. We don't have to do that. None of the kids in the juniors smoke. Orangutans don't look up. So our guide told us. The best way, therefore, to watch truly wild orangutans is to get above them in the tree canopy which can only be achieved by climbing onto a somewhat shaky canopy walk and waiting. So we waited, and after a time, one of these truly magnificent creatures appeared, carrying her young, and we watched her feeding whilst the young one played around her. She never saw us, and after a time she moved away into the deep forest, leaving us with a memory which will stay with us forever. behalf of Guppy Productions and the wider Cone Radio family, I would just like to apologise for that last onion, which was only 99 words long. We are sorry. looked out over the field, his mind started to wander. He knew he wanted to stay, but the Soviets would never allow it, and even if he found a way to defect, would England even want him? 
How could he convince them that he, a lowly official, was worth it? But he loved it here. Gin rather than vodka. Tea with milk. Democracy. A sudden cry roused him from his reverie. A man dressed in black stood before him, asking him what he had seen. Maybe now was his chance. He thought quickly and allowed the goal. It had been one of the longest parish council meetings on record. Harsh words had been exchanged. Blame and denial battled for supremacy. Occasional meek calls for calm and tolerance from the chair were lost in the maelstrom of the bitter argument. Perpetually red-faced councillor Winfred Digby Jones resigned in disgust twice. The vice-chair and the clerk even challenged each other to pistols at dawn. Finally, some order was restored. It had been a hard-fought battle, but democracy had found a way. Agreement was reached. The motion finally passed. For future meetings, the refreshments would include both bourbons and custard creams. Perfect summer. Temperatures soar, crisp cotton fabrics wilt in the heat, and dry cracks appear in lawns and fields. The sun shines on beaches, riverbanks, and meadows. Children play, and adults fan themselves as they remark on strikes, class divisions, sickness, and a polarized society. A frail monarch fades amongst state celebrations, while the future king, reluctant, dons his birthright mantle of responsibility and service. A lone foreign despot holds millions of lives to ransom. Europe stands divided, and political rancor rumbles at home. 1911, you say? I shrug. You choose. This turning point in history repeats. Accused of being verbose, I've decided to cut the crap, strip everything down to the bare bones and waste not one word on pointless, ineffective, unnecessary, inconsequential adjectives, adverbs, nouns, verbs, pronouns, prepositions, conjunctions and interjections that add virtually or barely nothing, nil, zilch, diddly squat to what I say. Brevity is my watchword, my slogan, my mantra. It'll be embedded in my soul, my core, my philosophy. Henceforth, in the future, from this day onwards, 
There'll be no more elaborating, padding out, blah-de-blah, or yak-yakking. Concise and to the point. No one can take the pith out of me now. is not a word, I exclaimed across the Scrabble board. But it's Indonesian for onion, protested my son. Well, we are in Indonesia, interjected my wife. I could see we all had our own interpretation of the rules of this game. A game acquired to increase family bonding time. A richly rewarding yet simple game to relax with family and friends, it stated on the box. Yet, tensions ran high around this table. I look down at the word I have arranged with my letters. Zig a zig. Ah, now, if only I can reach the treble word square, I thought. to Kong Radio, 106.6 FM, and this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions, which is being listened to by people in anything up to 195 countries around the world. Growing up in the Apollo years, a thrill for two eight-year-old boys... And the cycle ride to the level crossing was another adventurous routine of the summer of 69. Fascination, awe, the silent swing gates, the signal box with polished brass levers, the smell of oil and the shiny tracks which lay silently. Crawling under the wire, we got dangerously close enough to hear the tracks sing even as the train was miles away, and to be only six feet away on our bellies as the machine's power resonated through the ground was more fear than even Neil Armstrong experienced. going well. I woke up before the alarm's irritating tune began. My children and husband did as they were asked, which meant I had time to grab a coffee in my eco-friendly mug, which I remembered. When the bus conveniently waited for me, I began to think about buying a lottery ticket. Then things flipped. My walk down the bus was greeted with glares and when I found a seat, the man in front of me looked back, managing to portray anger despite his mask. Mask, damn it. 
I've forgotten to put on my mask. Oh, the shame. disappeared around the side of the red brick building, beyond the safety of the jacaranda's shade. 42 degrees and rising. As Johnny wandered towards the end of the line, past deflated black masks and furrowed brows, his phone beeped. He looked at the government's message. Visit a testing centre immediately, it ordered the third identical message he'd received that morning. At sunset, eight hours later, he'd finally reached the front of the line. Medicare number? said the diminutive male health officer, guarding the building's entrance. 52047954341 Jonathan Smith? Yes. The officer smirked. We're now closed. Please come back tomorrow. With a sickening groan, the trunk snapped. Forty years of growth, bending, flexing, flowing with the wind and weather, ended. A gash grinned with jagged teeth. The amputated tree fainted to one side. I fought my way to its deathbed, despite the storm, and shed a tear for fallen beauty. In the dry-eyed morning of the following day, I soared and stacked, this to be mulched, that to soar heavenward, sacrificed to the gods of fire. The wide-jawed smile of the stump, a welcome to fungi, insects, and already a perch for garden birds. You did not die in vain. Coming soon on Cone Radio. Box 39 investigates. That's right, the Box 39 investigates team, listening very careful as they always do, noticed the sound of a bus passing the house where someone was taping Brian Kant's voice at the beginning of an episode of Camberwick Green off an old VHS video before posting it to YouTube from which Guppy Productions ripped the audio for the Box 39 opening theme tune. With the aid of CCTV footage, bus timetables, and a London A to Z, we have tracked down someone who was on that bus, and we've interviewed them exclusively, coming soon to Cone Radio, like we said.
The Golden Temple in Amritsar is splendid. Surrounded by wedding cake white buildings, there is a lake crossed by a causeway to the actual Golden Heart, the hub of the Sikh religion. Visiting for their most sacred festival, I slept within the temple compound. They fed us lentils and rice, simple but satisfying. Next day was the day, the birthday of Guru Nanak, and a million souls crossed that causeway. Just as I was approaching the inner sanctum, my innards exploded. Delhi belly. Luckily, some friendly guys noticed and led me against the multitudes to the ablutions. What a relief. Lenny looked at Sid. Sid looked at Ernie. Ernie looked at Jack. They nodded. The plan was a good one. They'd been through it a dozen times. Jack and Ernie on lookout, back and front, ready to create a diversion if needed. Sid would jemmy the lock on the skylight and help Lenny to haul himself out when the job was done. Lenny would be in and out with the goods in seconds. Come on, kids. Tea's on the table. Lenny's mum's teas were famous. They shot down the stairs. The lollies in the freezer would still be there tomorrow. to get away a drive in the car with one or more country pubs along the way one Wednesday evening I fetched up at a new one looking for beer and a place to stay I pushed open the door to be confronted by the rear view of a well-proportioned woman wearing nothing but a black string bikini nearby was another even more well-proportioned lass hello 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 what's all this then I thought they were taking drinks orders and selling raffle tickets. What a charming country custom, I mused. I bought several of each.
My Bible is my battered chambers dictionary. I just read in my novel, I'll wet the tea, to wet, to make tea by pouring water on the leaves, dialect. Chambers is recommended for crossword solvers, and although many modern writers use dictionary.com, there is something comforting about reaching for the old companion on its shelf. How to spell sacrilege? I always need to check that one. Jealousy or envy? Chambers can help. And those editors add a sense of fun. An eclair is a cake, long in shape but short in duration, with cream filling and chocolate or other icing. Daniel was on a train journey with his father. They were going to London to celebrate Daniel's 14th birthday, and Daniel was thinking. So, what's a train of thought, then? What? Is it like a train that you're thinking about, or is it saying that your thoughts are like a train? Well, it's not the first. So... Is it saying that your thoughts have carriages and such? It's not literally a train. It's more like a sequence, a progression of ideas. Like a sequence of carriages? Well, I suppose so. Hmm. Well, the carriage I'm on now is telling me I'm hungry. As a spy, my whole life has been enshrouded in a succession of false identities. These layers pervade my memories, while my true identity darkens, turning putrid and viscous, unable to open up and release its flavours. When sprouts of the real me protrude from my crown, they're promptly cut off. I rarely drink or socialise for fear of letting something slip. Now, after a long, lonely existence, I'm overjoyed to find a place where I can finally let my guard down and be myself. I climb into Bill's bag, peel off my layers of disguise and tell my story. Our onions are unique and only found here on this show. They are written by listeners, crafted exclusively under Colm Radio Towers day and night, and they finally pop out into each programme after a full testing process that fulfils every stringent legal onion standard. Just ask my lawyers.
Sir Peter was pounced upon by journalists. Why did you pay for the prostitute with your ministerial credit card? No comment, Sir Peter said. Do you deny booking the hotel room and buying cocaine from the concierge? No comment, he said again. Surely that's you, photograph snorting coke off Ms. Weathers' buttocks. No comment. The anti-Sir Peter papers said, given the chance to set the record straight, the minister had pointedly failed to contest any of the facts of the matter. The pro-Sir Peter papers, meanwhile, said he'd calmly refused to dignify any of his accusers' spurious claims with an answer. You have been listening to Bill's Big Bag of Only Onions. These onions were written by Ian, Phil, Jenny, Rob, Adrian, a different Ian, John, Angela, Anthony, Sue, Pat, Bill, Petra, Jake and Sophie. Bill's Big Bag of Only Onions is a Guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. Mm-hmm.